Hi everyone, welcome to the BCI Business Continuity Awareness Week podcast 2021. My name is Rina Singh from the Resilience Pod and I will be your host in this series as we explore this year's theme the business continuity starts with you. I'll be talking to some of the most experienced professionals in the industry, discussing the importance of raising internal awareness, some of the challenges, as well as some tips, methods, and techniques we can all take away. Today's episode is all about what will BCM practices look like when the pandemic has passed with my next guest who has over 25 years experience in business continuity, crisis management and risk consulting services globally may I add and you may also know him from having carried out his role in the BCI as a global board from 2014 to 2020 all the way from Australia please welcome my next guest. Tim James. Hi Tim, how are you doing? I'm good Raina, how are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. So welcome to this BCAW uh, podcast. Let's just get straight into the topics. Why do we need to think about what BCM will look like post a pandemic? Why? Because I think we're all fully aware that there's been a huge amount of change in the world, mm-hmm. but particularly in organizations, uh, most of it forced by the pandemic, but a lot of it um, sticking around. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to understand how that change affects organizations. If it affects organizations, it affects business continuity because business continuity always needs to respond to the organizations that we support. Um, I've always, in my many few years, many years, um, BC's traditionally been hands-on, um, mm. face-to-face activity, sitting down in rooms, meeting rooms or workshops, BIA workshops, um, scenario exercises, that kind of thing. But so many organisations have moved to remote working as a result of the pandemic, the forced separation of people, and a lot of that is going to stick because it's turned out to be enormously popular with a lot of people. It's also turned out to be um, surprisingly productive. So for those organizations, typically office-based, IT-centric organizations, all the forecasters are saying that remote working is here to stay in some form or another. Um, Mm. And therefore, as I say, business continuity has to understand that, accept that, and adapt to it. Um, it doesn't mean, obviously, I guess we have to appreciate it's not all organisations. There's, you know, yeah. many organisations that where it's not feasible, warehousing or manufacturing, energy companies, transportation, that it doesn't apply to everybody. So it's not a wholesale change, but it is a significant portion of, I guess, organisations that have kind of been doing BC for some time and their world's or their operating environment is changing. Um, so that's that's really to answer the question. That's why business continuity in the profession needs to adapt to accommodate those changes um, where we can. Mm, really interesting points there you've mentioned, Tim, and it just kind of goes to show the importance of of having business continuity more than ever and adapting. And I think that's where in the past it's kind of 
gone a bit stagnant. We haven't moved forward so much with the times. And this pandemic is a huge, huge lesson on that. One of the things, the biggest things that, have come, has, that has come out of this pandemic is uh, remote working. It's the new norm, as people say. So what is the impact of remote working for us? Well, I mean, all business companies try, try to change over the years and just say trackers organizations have changed in my experience, you know, the working through many uh, business changes, but I think the last 12 months has been a level of change, most extensive and most rapid organizational change that I've ever experienced. And a lot of that is down to this, as you say, remote working. Um, that's the most significant, the most tangible change that everybody, if they haven't personally experienced, they can certainly see, you know, we all know now, we all know what Zoom is and all the uh, everything that goes with that. that that's, um, so what does that mean? To answer the question, what does that mean for organizations? Well, as I said, business continuity needs to adapt and reflect how organizations work. And when change happens very quickly, that means that business continuity has to, try, has to follow that change. For example, um, with these new working patterns, organizational risk profiles have certainly changed. When you, in the past, it'd always be organizations used to worry about having too many employees in single locations, too many eggs um, in one basket. Um, that, now we've got the opposite challenge where everybody's <laughs> working in multiple, hundreds or thousands of different locations. Um, um, that's good, as I said, because that can reduce some risks, the concentration risks, but it begins to introduce new challenges, which we're, I think organizations and BC professionals are only sort of beginning to grapple with such as physical and virtual asset security. People um, have corporate assets in many more locations and they're probably not all as secure as head office used to be. There are challenges around communicating with all those different people in different locations. And there are a lot of softer issues which aren't necessarily the responsibility of BC practitioners, but we need to be aware of them. Things like welfare mm. and organizational cohesion um, those can become problems which could potentially have an impact on continuity delivery of response plans, for example. Mm. It also, when organizations change in these ways new, with new working practices, um, it changes to say, or has the potential to change organizational priorities and resource requirements. Mm. I mean, there are, there are many organizations have started doing new and unfamiliar pr processes as, as a result of. The pandemic and those new processes suddenly become more important things like health and welfare care which many organizations probably didn't do in the past and for those that are sticking with this remote working model those are activities that now potentially have to be brought under the continuity umbrella because they will need to continue mm. in a disruption we need to think about what that might look like there may be other activities which become less important um, so risk analysis, BIAs need to be thought about and reconsidered. There's also, with that sort of operating model, there's a much greater reliance on the networks, the, mm. sort of the links that connect all the different parts of the organization. That's not just IT and data, mm. but also communication networks and personal networks, which potentially can be much more vulnerable when people are in so many more places and mm -hmm. understanding I guess how vulnerable those networks might be and 
potentially, I guess, you know, how how resilient is that network? If we lose a few links in the network, we lose one or two people, it may not be an issue, but if we lose 10 or 100, when does that become a crisis? When does that become a business continuity event that we need to start doing something about? Now, I suspect many organizations are only just beginning to get to the point where they start thinking about those type of scenarios. Mm, so, so interesting. Some good insights there. Thank you for sharing those, Tim. Um, my next question to you, following on from that, is what do you see as for elaborating further, further some of the specific challenges for, for us as business continuity practitioners? Well, there's quite a few, Rena. Um, some of them are good. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of the, the BCI's research during the pandemic period, particularly at the early stages, definitely has showed and or demonstrated that the profile of business continuity was raised mm. by the pandemic. I don't want to sort of, you know, make it sound like it was a, a positive experience, but it, it certainly wasn't. But there were some positive outcomes from a professional perspective that I guess a lot, far larger number of people, particularly at the senior levels in the organisation, actually got a practical understanding of what it is we do, which right. is a good thing for all of us. Um, Agreed. So we have to, you know, appreciate that and be thankful for that. But because this incident, or this not incident, this this pandemic has gone on for so long, mm. and across the globe, there clearly is a risk of pandemic fatigue sitting setting yeah. in. That management who have been exposed on a continual basis to essentially a business continuity situation for such a long period of time, basically begin to seek any opportunity to stop thinking about business continuity to stop you know dealing with these issues and wanting to get back to business as usual as quickly as possible <laughs> that could be counterproductive if we lose the attention and the concern of senior management um, there's also a risk or slight concern that they management may become so focused on pandemic and COVID-19 that they lose or pay, pay less attention to other risks which are just as, as really just as real still there mm. um, potentially growing in the background and begin to think about or continue to think about those like obviously cyber is the big one that all organizations yeah. are thinking about and the potential for that that's continued throughout um, the pandemic but also the other the big one for me which I think a lot of organizations are going to need to think about closely as we come out of the pandemic is climate change risks mm. and I mean you just look at what happened in Texas last week and how mm. unprepared large parts of that community were for the disruption caused by that I think those type of situations are going to become more and more commonplace and again yeah. applying those threats those situations to organizations working under this new pandemic or, or remote working model mm. what does that mean how does, mm. how does that affect the organizations and how do we respond? So uh, all executives and, and risk committees and business company managers need to keep the attention on the wider range of risks. Going back to this fatigue, fatigue um, idea, there's also a potential mm. that a lot of organizations and senior management may think, well, hey, we survived the pandemic. We did okay. <laughs> we didn't fall apart. We kept going in some form. So do we really need to keep doing all this BC mm. stuff? Um, if we manage, and I mean, there were quite a few organisations that came into the pandemic without much in the way of business continuity preparedness. Mm. I suspect there was a lot of scrabbling around in the background, a lot of late night calls and panic, um, you know, last minute planning, but they did manage to make it through. That could mm. potentially be 
use as a reason to not spend so much time in the future <laughs> focused on business continuity or potentially a reluctance to continue doing important things like exercising or risk workshops so yeah. all of that is a risk or challenge for us as practitioners we need to sort of without becoming um overbearing we need to in a i guess a sensitive and appropriate way remind people or um, people we work with our colleagues and senior management that there are reasons why we need to keep the program going while we need to keep refocused on not pandemic but also other um, potential risks and adapt everything that we already had to this new operating environment. Mm, absolutely and it's really funny that you say that about people scrambling around and trying to deal with the pandemic and forgetting about it because as you were saying that I'm like it's so relatable as a business continuity practitioner myself that you get these you hear stories from colleagues saying like oh some of our organizations I like, don't even want to look at business continuity right now they've like it's put it on they put it on pause but the, the challenges that you said well actually they're they're enough reasons <laughs> to actually go about doing more of this and that leads me on to my next question is so how you mentioned all these challenges and we're all profoundly nodding as we're listening to to you saying this how can we go about addressing them then well I mean we get yeah, we have to be careful because I mean whilst we certainly as practitioners feel this is um, clearly we see the need we understand it and we it's important to us we have to understand the reality that the economic impacts of the pandemic may mean that there are fewer resources we have to be sensitive to that to some degree and that's something we need to be mindful of the economic mm -hmm. impacts and um, we as i said we need to be mindful of those those risks i talked about earlier about fatigue but we need to think about mm -hmm. how we can address those we also need to i think be um thinking about doing or be aware of the short-term memory that organizations have the tendency or the um, preference for people to sort of move on and away from the <laughs> pandemic as soon as they can and move on to other things and all the good relationships all the good lessons that were built up with executives and other um, resilience professionals there is a potential that those could slip away if we as practitioners don't take practical positive steps to reinforce those while we can which can become a little bit harder when everyone's working remotely there's less mm -hmm. face time in this um, <laughs> this type of environment, but we need mm. to try and, you know, where, where those impromptu committees or working groups were formed with like-minded resilience professionals, if those can become sort of formalized as a, as a permanent group, grouping or mm. uh, gathering so that those relationships continue, if we can find a way to, I guess, maintain the level of profile that we might have gained with the senior executive, um, that would be certainly beneficial long term for both both us, but also um, management. One of the ways mm -hmm. I thought we could do that is you can we we can use the successes from the pandemic to make sure that that those wins have been reinforced yes. with management who may not necessarily be quite so aware of them as we are. Um, mm. I mean, there are several examples from again some of these from the BCI's own surveys. Those organisations that were actively engaged in horizon scanning or the way mm -hmm. we describe it they were among some of, among the many organizations that were i guess earliest to identify the pandemic as it was sort of unfolding 
in Wuhan and in early uh, parts of China. Yeah. And they were best prepared to give early warnings to senior management, but take the earliest steps. They, they essentially got a head start because of mm. that early awareness. Many organizations, you know, have, in my experience, have kind of questioned the value of horizon scanning on an ongoing basis. But that's one real example of where it provided real benefit to organizations that got that early warning in. Um, yeah. Another way that I think BC managers can help themselves <laughs> is because of all these changes we've, we've been talking about today, Rena. Mm. I think most organizations' risk profiles and threat assessments have changed. Yeah. And whilst organizations may have other priorities on, or other things to focus on, on at the moment, if BC managers could take, get, in, get in early by understanding how the organization's risk profile has changed as a result of the pandemic and saying, what does that mean to our business priorities? What does that mean to our business continuity strategy? How might that need to change? And potentially highlighting prudent cost savings, for example, mm -hmm. you know, large offsite facilities may not be quite need to be quite so large um, <laughs> when many people are working from home. Yeah. Identifying those results or those outcomes to management proactively mm -hmm. is, another, is a good way of getting in front of them and saying, well, this yes. is the world we're working in post-pandemic, this is what it looks like, this is how we can continue that program that we've established and adapt it to reflect this brave new world that we're in with the new challenges but new opportunities for our organisation. I think that's one good way that BC mm. managers can maintain that profile. Um, another one I've seen quite a few organisations doing is making as much use as possible from all these new technologies that have um, suddenly either been discovered or been made better use of during the pandemic like all these online events um, mm -hmm. or the remote or the personal sort of communication tools like WhatsApp or various other um, corporate equivalents. Look at those and see how can they be embedded into the business continuity program on an mm -hmm. ongoing basis so that there's something we use as a regular part of our program. Things like e-courses, short format e-courses as a mm -hmm. method for delivering awareness. Can we do that in a way that gets around the challenges of having to work with people who are not going to be in the same location as frequently as they used to be? <laughs> so I think as long as we are proactive and thinking about how we can make the best of the new situation and working environment that organizations have got, um, I think we're going to be able to maintain that executive profile. And I'll appreciate that we're being seen to being um, positive and productive. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, one final thought on this part is mm. even if our own organization is largely untouched, if we're one of those manufacturing or other organizations where you know remote working really isn't a, um, a big deal, mm -hmm. there's a very good chance that some of our key suppliers aren't in the same situation. Maybe they're, they're the ones that change. Organizations mm. in our, our own wider network, our supply chain, they're the ones that have been changed as a result of the pandemic and we may need to go and look at our supply chain continuity plans and decide well how are those being altered how, or how might they need to be altered and do we need to work more closely with our supply chain partners to understand what their situation is as a result of the pandemic mm. wow some powerful tips there <laughs> tim uh 
you know, as we close, come close to the end of our time together and this podcast, um, I'd, I'd really like to, for our listeners, get your final thoughts on some of the success factors in addressing these challenges, maybe like your top three. Okay, top three. That'll, that's, <laughs> that's a challenge narrowing down there. One other thing, one of them would be, as I say, a lot of the success factors during the pandemic were the need and the speed with which BC practitioners were able to collaborate with other resilience professionals mm. um, to make to put in place these plans, whether they were already defined or they were improvised. But finding ways that that relationship and those practices can can continue maybe through mm. things like joint exercises where you're running a combined exercise with your security colleagues or maybe someone from IT risk and you de develop scenario and you deliver it together as a joint exercise I think is another way to continue or one way to continue that principle and those relationships or maybe through joint risk workshops mm -hmm. there are a number of parallel activities a lot of risk resilience professionals do in their own sort of niche but if we can find out ways that we can break down those I guess barriers between the different uh, disciplines and say well actually we could both do that together that's certainly mm. one way um, of having some I guess success factors mm -hmm. another one is, is adapting to the reality that if a lot of the people we engage with a lot of our colleagues are we're working remotely or we are we mm. ourselves BC, I know most most of the BC managers I work with or engage uh, in contact with are themselves working remotely yeah we need to think about how we engage with mm -hmm. people our colleagues to deliver the BC program mm. and understand how our I guess ingrained and embedded practices may need to change for example when you're I mean th this this discussion we're having now it mm. works quite well because I can see you, you can see me, but mm. it's not the same as being in the same room as each other. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Um, eye contact can sometimes be a challenge. And then when you're working with bigger groups and you've got multiple boxes on screen, it becomes even more a challenge. So we need to think mm. about how we change our techniques and our delivery approach. We also might need to think about do we do or do, do we think about breaking down some of the, the, the activities we might do into smaller bite-sized chunks? For example, risk mm -hmm. workshops, can they be reduced to smaller steps? I know some organizations are thinking about running what they're calling mini scenario exercises, where they mm. run through a three-hour scenario, they might do a, 15, a series of 15-minute scenarios over a long period of time, and they piggyback off existing team meetings. Now, <laughs> That takes a bit of work to set that up mm -hmm. and it takes a bit of experience to get teams sort of to that level of capability. Right. But I think as, a, as BC pr practitioners, we need to be flexible and understanding that the opportunity to get everybody together in the way we used to, whether it's a workshop or a risk and meeting or a large scenario exercise, they're going to be fewer and far between. And everybody else in the organization is been, going to be competing for the same opportunities. So if we can find ways to get the time, the exposure and the information that we need in other ways, then again, everyone benefits. So, so true. And, you know, some of these tips that you've given, they they're so easy to do. They're not 
oh my gosh, I can't do that, I possibly do that. It just seems too challenging. But it's not. These are simple things uh, that we can be successful with when kind of looking at BCM post-pandemic. So thank you, Tim, for sharing some of your insights with our audience today. We really appreciate it. Any final words before we, we close off? Um, same to you, Sirena, that I think, as I've probably emphasised, there are plenty of opportunities that have been raised through the exposure that the BC profession has got gained through the pandemic. But we as practitioners, we need to be creative and flexible in how we adapt our established practices to work more effectively in this new working environment. That's really the key message that we, uh, I would like to try and get across. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Tim. And guys, thank you for listening to this BCI Business Continuity Awareness Week podcast with me, your host, Rena Singh, and our guest, Tim James. We hope you enjoyed it. To learn more about Business Continuity Awareness Week, head over to the bci.org forward slash BCAW 2021 and follow us on all social media. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time in the next episode.